And we're just going to pray before we start. Our Father, we're grateful to be your children, to know you, to be in relationship with you, to experience this life that you pour into our hearts. There is so much need around. But this morning, we just want to commit to you, everyone across our nation, who's been touched by war, by conflict, by loss. Um, For our veterans, God, we pray that uh, whatever they're facing now, whatever memories arise for them this day, whatever they carry every day, God, can you please break through into their hearts and help them to see you? You rescue them, God, and bring them into your kingdom. For the people in families that are touched by loss, or grief because they either lost somebody in conflict or somebody came back different. Um, Father, we pray that you would provide for them this day too, that they would find in that place of need that we can't understand, God, that you would move and shift their hearts and help them to find freedom and peace in you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, We're in uh, Isaiah chapter 55. We've got two weeks and we're looking at this prophecy from Isaiah 55. And we call it Words of Life. And you might think, well, that could apply to the whole Bible. Yes, yes, it does. But it particularly applies here. I'm going to show you why. Um, So today God asks us this question. Uh, By the way, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's... um, Questions are all through the Bible, and whenever God asks a question, you go, wow, this is going to be really important for my soul. Here's the question today. Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? This is uh, Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in Israel around 700 plus BC. So this is, all of this, um, all this is BC. This is Old Testament. So in, when you read through Isaiah, um, as I know you, you all do, you know, you get to the end of chapter 39, you think, oh, what just happened? Because it shifts from a narrative, like a prose narrative. Here's Isaiah, you know, I'm, my name's Isaiah and I'm talking to people and there's this king and that king and this date and that date. It shifts from that narrative into, into, from prose into poetry for the last half of Isaiah, chapter 40 to 66. And in the first bit, Isaiah 1 to 39, it's all the, what happened in Israel. This is before, before and so Isaiah is in the southern part of Israel, but this is, he's prophesying the demise of the northern kingdom and, this, and through the demise of the northern kingdom. That's when Isaiah lived. But this second bit about the poetry is talking about events in the exile, like after the southern kingdom later on, in a few hundred years later, has gone into exile. Um, and then further on in Isaiah... Um, there's more poetry uh, around the returning um, exiles when they, from the post-exilic era where they've gone back into the land and they're trying to rebuild the temple again. So you've got this collection of works, half of which is narrative, half of which is poetry. The first half pertains directly to that period in history. The second half, in two spots roughly spread, maybe people, scholars argue, is around the exile and post-exilic. So, did one guy write the whole book of Isaiah? People go, ooh, I don't know, I don't know. And there's argument around that. It seems much more likely that there's a prophetic school or a thought or there were lots of writings of Isaiah and they were applied to different situations as the community continued on, if that makes sense. 
So he's Isaiah, he's writing in this period, and then in the exilic period, where they're in exile, where they've got no land anymore, they've been taken out of Jerusalem and they're in Babylon in exile, there's these chapters that we're going to read today. This is when this message from Isaiah comes, from the prophetic Isaiah school, if you like. Either because Isaiah saw it back then, um, inspired by the Spirit and wrote about it, or because people who knew his teachings applied it here. Does that make sense? Um, That's amazing all by itself. What's more amazing is what they wrote. We're going to read some of this. Um, It's stunning. Here's what's important for us. Uh, While Israel's in exile and devastated and they're struggling and in danger of losing their identity as God's people, a prophetic message comes from God to his people. I'm going to read you this message and you think about why is this helpful for this community who's stuck in exile? Here it is. Isaiah, this is in 53. We'll start. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He's talking about a person here. This is a, this is a message meant to comfort and encourage the people. We're starting with one person. Okay, uh, Verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Okay, this is a man or a person who's been despised and suffered. Yet, verse 4, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins, but, verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. It goes on. He was sinless. We hurt him. We blamed him, but he was crushed for us. They buried him in a rich man's tomb. Who are they talking about? This is Jesus Christ. This is the man. This is 500 years later. Or 700, depending on who penned this. It's amazing, right? Here's what I want you to see. That message to them was what they needed in their situation right then. That message was the answer to what they were you know, struggling with right then. That they were a nation in exile. They were, they were losing, in danger of losing who they were. They, they'd lost their connection to their land and their temple. And, and, and here's the answer. There's a guy who's going to bear your sins. He's going to come and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna pay for you. That's the answer. So... If it was the answer for them then, then it's the answer for us now. And if the question that God asked them is anyone thirsty, if that was a question for them, then you can be sure that it's a question for us now. Imagine hearing that message in exile. 
Now see, prior to Jesus, this teaching of the suffering servant wasn't linked to the Messiah at all. They, these, the, in their rabbinic thought, they had no room for the Messiah also being the suffering servant. Uh, the Messiah was supposed to be the conquering hero. And yet here is the big plan, the great hope revealed in this little to this little community in exile. Um, but it's not just that he would suffer for us. Listen to this in chapter 53, verse 10. This is resurrection. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. The Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he'll be satisfied. And because of his experience... My righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted to righteousness, for he will bear all their sins. Like, we read it now, and you go, how did they not get the resurrection? And the, well, we've got a little bit of hindsight. And who would have ever thought that God would do what, what Jesus did? Remember in Luke 24, Jesus is risen, and these uh, disciples are walking along the road to Emmaus, and Jesus walks with them, and they don't realize who he is. And, um, and he says, what's been going on? And they go, haven't you been around? Uh, you know, and they, they tell him what happened with Jesus and the crucifixion. And, um, and they say that he's risen. But what? And then Jesus explains to them from the scriptures that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. Scriptures like these. Um, it's more than, just that, more than just Jesus died and he rose from the dead and he, and he bore our sins and that, that made it possible for us to also uh, be counted righteous, like it's already here. There's also that it's going, this is going to be bigger than just Israel. This is in uh, chapter 54, verse 2. Enlarge your house. Uh, build an addition. Spread out your home. Spare no expense, for you'll soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And in Isaiah 56, uh, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. In other words, one of the blessings of the Messiah's work will be that all nations of the earth are invited to reconcile with God. This is not just for Israel, this is for everyone, even us. You see how beautifully the gospel is in these chapters, this poetry that goes to this exilic community um, way back in uh, 500 plus BC. You see how timeless this message from God is because God is everywhere and every when and this is all about how am I going to connect people back to myself this is God saying I just want people I want people um, to be counted righteous I want people with me I want people um, forgiven and set free and in communion with me so in the middle of that prophetic message of that whole framing is this beautiful invitation from God is anyone thirsty is anyone thirsty come and drink even if you have no money this is on our next slide come take your choice of wine or milk it's all free why spend your money on food that does not give you strength why pay for food that does you no good listen to me and you will eat what is good you will enjoy the finest food. This is an invitation to who? Who's this an invitation to? Anyone. Anyone. Oh. First, well, anyone, what's the qualification? 
anyone who is young, old, black, white, rich, poor, what? Anyone who is thirsty. First, to those who are thirsty and can't pay. Those who are thirsty and can't pay. You might have experienced this in your life. Maybe this is you right now. You have a thirst in your heart, but your heart feels dried up and parched like it hasn't rained for a long time. A lot of old hopes have dried up. Dreams have waited and almost died. Dead-end streets again and again, empty, unfulfilled, dissatisfied, knowing there has to be something more to life, but everything that looks good feels completely out of reach. No money, no strength, no motivation, no way forward, no plan, but at least a longing, a thirst. And God says, that's the candidate I'm after, even if you have no money. Come, everyone who thirsts and has no money, no resources, no bargaining position, no track record, no power, no prestige, no pull, come, come and drink. Take your fill, it's all free. Then to, then to those who are busy and full but still thirst, he says, why spend your money on food that gives you no strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Here God talks to those of us who feel all resourced up. We've got money, we've got influence, we've got careers and families and hobbies and sports and our lives are full of activity. We've got, we've got money, we spend it, we've got strength and dreams and we work, but what's the result? We still thirst because we increasingly realise that there's no pot at the end of the rainbow. Um, I was talking to someone this week, um, one of my friends coined this, the death of little gods. When you go, I thought that was going to satisfy me, but it didn't. <laughs> I thought that was going to work, but it didn't. I thought I was going to feel more peaceful when this happened and, it, and I didn't. There's no fountain of youth. Every triumph peters out. The applause fades. Our toys become boring. The style passes. Everything new gets old and options get fewer and fewer. And when we're honest, we know there's, a, there's just a canyon of need and longing on the inside, no matter how self-sufficient we look on the outside. And God knows even better than we do. And he says, why well, spend your money on food that gives you no strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Milk, wine, drink. It's all free. You'll enjoy the finest food. You'll eat what is good. What does he mean, you'll eat what is good? Well, when God made the earth, remember this in Genesis? And then God formed the earth. And, um, and then he separated the waters and then he put animals. And what did he say after each time? What was his summary of all of that that he had done? Good. It's that kind of good. You will eat what is good. You will eat what will satisfy your deepest longing. You will know satisfaction. You will be fulfilled. You will, you will eat what is good. Why spend your money on things that do you no good? Because Jesus made a way and the people of God are invited to come and eat and drink. How? How do we drink? And what do we eat? How do we get satisfied? How does this actually work? Well, we're not left wondering. Isaiah 50, oh, by the way, Isaiah 55... If you, just, if you did nothing all week and just read that every day, that'd be enough. It is sensational. Um, and you go, oh, is that where that's from? Because there's lots of little things in there that you, we quote a lot. Yep, it's all here. Uh, here we go. Um, this is Isaiah 55. Why spend your money on things that do you no good? Listen to me 
and you will eat what is good. You'll enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you'll find life. Come to me with your ears wide open. Try and open your ears. Um. It's funny though, because you can have open ears, though, can't you? And closed ears. It's not, what's he talking about here? Really, he's, he's talking about what your heart wants. Come with your ears wide open. What is the desire of our soul? What are we thirsty for? What are we trying to hear? What are we listening for? Come to me, says God. Listen and you'll find life. Later on in this chapter, God says this, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. In this way, I send it out, it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. What will? The word of God. Things that God says. His will, his ways. Prophet Jeremiah said this to God in chapter 15 and verse 16. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. Those of you who had Colin Buchanan in your house when your kids were younger will know this. When your words came, I ate them. Yum, yum, yum. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are what? They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Is anyone thirsty? Come to God with your ears wide open. Listen and you'll find life. Um, some people can listen while they talk. Uh, my wife and her sister are a champion at this. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this. You know when you go, oh, I've got something to say, and they look at you like, that was three conversations ago. Um, uh, some people can hear God like that too, chatting away, just chatting away. Like listening isn't dead silence for a day. You know, If you give me a silent retreat for a whole day, that's not going to help me if I can't talk. Um, so people hear differently, right? Uh, some people hear best through worship songs or music uh, turned up loud. Music sometimes, often, it carries the truth past our defences. You hear that? Music can carry the truth past our defences. Um, into new places where we can hear God. Uh, sometimes people say to me, I hear God best when we worship here um, in the church. Um, some people say, when I first came here, I didn't know much was going on, but as soon as the music started, I just started to cry. <laughs> yeah. Music carries the truth past our defences. And sometimes we hear God better that way. Other people hear God best through solitude, silence, or nature, stars, or windswept paddocks, or trees, or, or water. There's no right method. God says, come to me with your ears wide open. Come to me with your ears wide open. He knows our personalities, our experiences, our circumstances. He knows if we've got all the time in the world or if we're looking after toddlers all day. <laughs> he knows. 
He knows he isn't assessing what we can't do and what we don't have and what we can't give. He knows us and he's offering us life and he's, he's saying, come to me. He's talking to at the posture of our hearts, at the, at the orientation of our hearts. Do you want life? Do you want life? In your circumstance now, in your illness now, in your busyness now, in your pain now, do you want life? Come to me. It's free. Listen to me. Come with your ears open. Come with your ears wide open. Is free. You ever been too busy to hear God? Aren't we silly sometimes? At the things that we eat. Nom 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 nom. Working all day and God's going, Oh I got life. Is anyone thirsty? Let's pray. Father, for some of us, just we got distracted and our priorities have got a bit out of skew and it's been a while since we've stopped and really chased you. It's been a while since we've taken the time to let you speak to us, till we've sat with your word and just let some of the things that you said, um, you know, churn around in our souls so that we try and understand more of you. It's been a while since we laid our lives before you and asked you how we're doing and asked you for input into the spaces in our lives and our relationships. Uh, some of us have just been distracted. Others of us are a little afraid because we think that you're going to stop us doing what we want to do. Um, uh, some of us don't really know you like this, and it's a weird thought to actually be personally interacting with you, Father. And so it's a strange invitation um, that you say, is anyone thirsty? Come to me and, and I'll feed you food for your soul and you'll find life. So, Father, we, we just, all of us, we hear this word from you today. And for those of us in here, for wherever we are, no matter how busy we are, no matter how flat we are, no matter how empty we are, no matter how full we are, God, we just, we just want to open our hearts to you and say, God, we are, we are thirsty for you, for your life. God, will you answer this cry of our heart? Uh, we know that you want to. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.